up, citizens? It's Vincent Jones, aka Citizen Jones, here with another episode of Quarantine and Chill, a daily podcast where we talk to LGBTQ people from around the world, learning more about their story and how they are experiencing the coronavirus pandemic, or what I affectionately call the zombie apocalypse. So grab a drink with or without alcohol and tag a few friends on the socials to join you for this kiki. And let's quarantine and chill. You know you can't go nowhere. Hell no. Hello there, little Miss Hot Mess. How are you doing in San Francisco? No, you're in LA today, aren't you? I am in LA right now, yes. How's it going? You know, I'm hanging in there as best as one can during these wild times. Okay, okay. Um... (laughs) What part of LA are you in? I'm like right on the border of East Hollywood and Silver Lake. So I often call it Akbar Heights, but I don't know if other people know that term. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's it. cute. It's cute, the East Side. So how would I people, I love people to like talk a little bit about where they live because not everyone listening is familiar. So can you share a little bit, a little bit about Akbar Heights? Yeah. So, I mean, it's on the East Side, which I'm still relatively new to LA. I moved here about a year and a half ago. So Mm -hmm. LA is still a bit of a mystery to me in a wonderful way. I don't feel like I get it. And I'm like, maybe there actually isn't anything to get. And that's part of the beauty of LA. No, it takes two years to really figure it out, I believe. Interesting. Yeah, right now I'm still in the like Google Maps takes me everywhere phase. Although I can get myself to Trader Joe's. I can get myself to Akbar. I can get myself to, you know, a few select places. Um, but my neighborhood's cute. I mean, I'm kind of right in between a bunch of little neighborhoods. And so I can walk places, which feels shocking in LA. Um, and I can walk to two gay bars, three gay bars, even if I really want to walk that far. So it's a cute spot. And most folks don't realize that because most people think about LA and the neighborhood, they think about West Hollywood. So they don't realize that actually most people don't even know this, that before the Stonewall riots, there was the Black Cat Rebellion. Yes, and, like and the Cooper's Rebellion. Donuts Rebellion as well, oh, downtown. Oh, tell me about I don't know about that one. Okay, so I don't know as much about it as I should, but I did go on a, a <laughs> queer <laughs> walking tour of downtown LA last year. Um, and now I'm forgetting which one was, if that was before or after the Black Cat, but they were both before Stonewall. I know that for sure. Um, but yeah, oh, actually, but I can walk up to the Black Cat. You're correct. I do remember that one too. Because, well, I think was that one by the Madison Society, Maybe. or um, so. Look at the. We're gonna have to do viewer. some googling. <laughs> yeah, some googling is our, our, our gay history IQ up. But yes. the point the point of the matter is the East Side or AKA Akbar Heights has <laughs> a lot of gay history there. It's true. Yeah, I mean there. Yeah, and right now there's currently Akbar, which is a gay bar. There's the Eagle. And then there's also um, the fault line a little further away. Have you seen, um, actually going to a little hot topic. Oh, that's hot. Which is one of my favorite segments of the podcast. Yes. Um, have you seen, there's this new um, documentary on Netflix called Circus of Books? I have not seen it yet, but I plan to. And yeah, that's also like right up the street. It's right up the street. And so that's, a, it's like, it's like, I was like, wow, like I knew about the West Hollywood one. I saw it last weekend. Uh-huh. I didn't realize one was over in Silver Lake too. Yeah, I remember when I used to come visit, it was open and I always just thought it was like a used bookstore. I had no idea about the history of it. So 
and that is owned by this like this unassuming Jewish couple who just didn't tell her family what they were doing, but they just they they just did it. Exactly. <laughs> Although from what I've heard, like they kind of you know they had a maybe an uneasy relationship with the, their gay clientele, right? Like yeah. They yeah. they both embraced the dollars and maybe were not totally of the community. Well, also the son, their son came out as gay, and right. the the father and it did go into a lot in the documentary. The father was fine with it, but the mother took her a while to come to terms with it. Shocking. Which is which is <laughs> number one. Number one, you expect it to be the other way around. But number two, like you own a hardcore gay porn store and studio. They were at one point the number right. one producer of gay porn. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. um, and now topic. there's a sweet green across the street. Just yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> There goes the neighborhood. There's a gayborhood. Yeah. On a different topic, uh, speaking of hardcore, hardcore gay porn, did yes. you see um, Sondheim's 90th birthday celebration <laughs> online yesterday? <laughs> hardcore. I tried to watch it, and then they had so many technical difficulties that I kind of gave up. But I, it's literally open in a tab on my browser, and I will be watching it later. So, yes. And I've seen a so, couple of the performances. But I have I've not watched it. Ladies Who Lunch all the way through. I've watched that one. That's the only one I've seen. But I know all my all these gays on last talk about what the fuck is going on. I can't get on. But now saying it's an hour later. It's <laughs> just sort of sad. Yes, yes. But I mean, God bless them for doing that. And then the shade is that Andrew Lloyd Webber announced that he's screening one of his birthday concerts this weekend as part of his series. Oh not my to be god! One-up. <laughs> not so. to be one of. I love it. It's like the, but you. I was like, they must not have had too many gays doing that production because we have our production stuff down most. Right. I know, and I watched another one on BroadwayWorld.com or whatever it's called, and with Rosie O'Donnell, and they had it down. So, although maybe that was actually a different site. Now that I'm saying them out loud. Anyway, well, that one was, and that was like one of the first ones of any of these things to go on. That was like right. really early on in the. Right. You know, I know. It feels like years ago. It really does. I mean, what what day is today, really, actually? <laughs> Don't ask me. I have no idea. So one last thing before we get in, one last hot topic before we get into your story. Um, yes. So RuPaul's DragCon in LA was supposed to be this coming weekend, but it now was. it's canceled. So I'm curious, like, your thoughts about that and how that will impact the drag community. Well, they just announced they're doing a digital drag con. I don't know if you saw that. So oh, I, did, I did not see that. There will be like a YouTube moment about it this weekend. And I did send over a video. So anyone who wants to check out my book before it's on sale can watch my reading of it this weekend. Um, but yeah, it looks like a lot of the Rue girls are performing. And I mean, who knows? I, I've i done RuPaul's Drag Con before. I frankly don't fully get it. I've never, <laughs> I've never been a con kind of girl. I've never really understood Comic-Con or any of these things, but I mean, it's a lot of people waiting in lines to get their picture taken with someone who was on TV. So I guess power to you and power to the Queens who are getting their coins for that. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay sitting it out this year. I'm happy to do it from the comfort of my living room. <laughs> Tell us more about Lil Miss Hot Myth. Um, what's her origin story and what makes her special? I mean, Little Miss Hot Mess is a part of me. She's not, you know, sometimes I talk about her in the third person, but really she's not a character. She's just the side of myself that doesn't necessarily come out until I'm wearing a wig and heels and too much makeup. (laughs) So, you know, she, 
And she's always been inside of me. I mean, ever since I was a small child, I loved dressing up. I loved putting on dresses and tutus. My, you know, as many a queer child, I had a little girl best friend growing up and she would let me try on her ballet tutus and we would dance around and play My Little Ponies and things like that. So, Oh, My Little Ponies. Memories. Yes. yes. My Little Pony, My Little Pony. Yes, yes, yes. The scratch and sniff ones too. I (laughs) I do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I mean, and I was a childhood figure skater. I did gymnastics. I did theater in high school. So she was extra. I love it. You know, the queen, the queen always shone through. But but yeah, it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco in my early 20s. um, And I, I guess I just knew that I was curious about drag, but I originally grew up in a suburb and then I went to college in a suburb and so didn't really have the most exposure to drag. And that was before RuPaul's Drag Race. It was, you know, I think I I had watched some of the movies, like I'd seen Tu Wong Fu and I'd seen Mm -hmm. the Charles Bush movies and, you know, just some of those ones that somehow kind of squeaked through. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in San Francisco, I started going to Tranny Shack and there was a party called Charlie Horse at the time. And I would go to Peaches Christ movies. Um, and at one point I just said, okay, now it's time for me to do it. And all I did was ask. All that, that's the secret to drag is all you have to do is just ask the right person. And I happened to ask at exactly the right time because there was a showcase coming up for newcomers called Star Search. Mm-hmm. So that was my very first time performing as Little Miss Hot Mess. But I had earned the name earlier because in my early 20s, I drank a lot of Long Island iced tea. Uh. So it was a name that was gifted to me. I love it. And then I truly didn't know what to call myself. So I was like, I guess, I guess she's almost hot mess. Well, you have definitely, I think, um, done, you've taken Little Miss Hot Mess and done a lot more than the average drag queen does. Um, and really, so... You try. So you want to share a little bit about first about like um, the names project. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the actual name of the project. But that would, no, what what my name is? What's my name? Uh, my name is hashtag. My, my name, name is. is. I'm yeah. sorry. My name is hashtag. <laughs> my name is. So share more about that first. Yeah. So I mean, I grew up performing in San Francisco, and you know, it was during the time of basically the second dot com boom, and so we were living through all these changes in technology. And I mean, it's funny cause like in some ways my drag also grew up at the same time that Facebook was coming up and all these platforms. So right. it was very logical to like have a presence on all these things. And not that I did a lot of work to like extend my performance onto those platforms, but it was part of like building relationships with people and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, it was 2014 into 2015 um, when a bunch of drag queens just suddenly found our names reported on Facebook and we were all either locked out or told that the only way we could get back in was if we used our quote unquote legal names. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and many people also like didn't understand that when they gave their legal name, it was actually going to show up on their profile. So all of a sudden, you know, all these queens with fantastic, wonderful names were suddenly like Michael and Brian and you couldn't figure out who they were. Right. Until you clicked on their profile and saw their pictures, because you, I had no idea what their names were. Um, but yeah, since we were in the heart of it, a bunch of us decided to protest and 
Um, we protested at Facebook's headquarters. We protested at City Hall. We organized a protest at San Francisco Pride. Um, and we eventually won some victories from Facebook. We didn't win the overall war, I would say, but we got thousands. Yet. 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 <laughs> I know. I mean, that's the reality is that it's five plus years and counting. And I still literally today got a message from someone saying, can you help me get my Facebook name fixed? So, wow. so we've, I mean, yeah, I've probably personally helped a thousand people at this point. Our campaign has helped thousands. Um, and, you know, Facebook apologized. They changed some of their policies. They changed some of the ways that people can report other people and things like that. Um, but, you know, it, one of the things that was important at the time that we were doing it was that it wasn't just drag queens, obviously. It was all sorts of communities that yeah. have different kind of naming practices. So it was Native Americans. It was people of color. It was people who have punctuation in their names. It was mm-hmm. um, domestic violence survivors who wanted some extra level of privacy or even like cops or judges or therapists mm-hmm. who just wanted that distance from their clients or the people they serve. Um But at the same time, like, that's just a tiny drop in the bucket for Facebook. And I get it. They have a lot of big concerns, especially in the five or six years since then. There's been a hell of a lot more drama. Um, But but it's still a shame that, like, they're not willing to prioritize people. Because it still matters. It matters. It matters. You know, it's... I said it then and I'll say it now for a lot of people, Facebook truly is a lifeline. I mean, that's the way that people communicate with each other. It's the way people conduct business. It's how they access support groups. I mean, now it's like how people are making a living doing live streams Mm -hmm. or other digital content. So yeah, it's a shame. And I mean, it's sure to Facebook, you're one of over a billion users, but when your entire identity vanishes in the blink of an eye, and there's literally no one you can email or pick up the phone and call. It can be pretty devastating for people. And after that, you didn't stop your activism. Um, mm-hmm. and that, but I assume you probably didn't assume this would be a political act. All you wanted to do was read a book of some kids. And then ended up becoming and it became <laughs> a whole thing. So no, I so so tell, tell a little bit about the drag queen story hour and how that became controversial. Yeah, so I didn't start Drag Queen Story Hour. I just happened to get in right at the beginning, but it was actually started by my friend Michelle T, who's a pretty well-known queer author. She wrote Valencia. She's written a bunch of other books. Um, and she had recently had a kid and was running an, a nonprofit in San Francisco that focused on queer arts and literature. And, I mean, she just had that idea that was, like, so crazy it just might work to bring drag queens in to read to children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... I'd always wanted to do something like that. There was a, a friend of mine, Phonique in San Francisco, once did an event at the De Young Museum there where there was a whole bunch of drag, but one of the things to make it family friendly was that kids could dress up drag queens. So they had all these like materials and it was oh, literally well, kids like hot gluing stuff onto <laughs> these dresses. That were made. So <laughs> it was a little scary, but it was also super cute and super fun. Um, and, you know, I was just like, how can we do more of this? But the thought of actually bringing it into libraries and using children's literature as a way to do that had never occurred to me. So, yeah, so Michelle started that in San Francisco, I think also the end of 2015. Um, I had just moved to New York to start grad school. So I was watching all these friends of mine in San Francisco doing these amazing looking events and like, when can I do it? Um, and then Michelle just happened to be coming to New York for one of her own book events and asked me if I wanted to do something while she was there. So the rest is kind of history. And, you know, we quickly, 
we quickly blew up, I guess. And, you know, we started in, in the big cities in the U.S. and now we're in 50 cities across the world. Um, oh, my goodness. Town. So Around the world. Growing. Around the world, yeah. I mean, we're, we're everywhere from New York, L.A., San Francisco to central Tennessee to Tokyo to Mexico City and I think Guadalajara or, no, Monterey. Um, and we have chapters in Sweden and Berlin. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And now you yourself are an author. I am. I am publishing my first children's book. Um, Yay! Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a long time coming. Um, I've been doing these readings for a while now, but it, yeah, it's super exciting. And What's it called? It's called The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. Um, and it's based on a parody. It's a parody of The Wheels on the Bus Go Round and Round. Um, mm-hmm. And I had just started singing it as a song at the story hours you know, I, I realized that like me just reading stories while fun didn't get the kids moving. It didn't get them interacting in quite the same way. And I, people have been asking me like how I came up with it. And I truly think it just struck me in a cab ride on the way to an event one day when I was sort of <laughs> thinking through like, what can I do? What can I jazz thing, do to jazz things up? Um, but part of my goal with story hour, I mean, this is where I maybe get in a little bit of trouble, but I you know, the right wing likes to say that we're trying to convert kids or we're trying to, you know, bring them into a queer lifestyle, which obviously mm-hmm. is like not the way it works. And at the same time, I want kids course, to yeah. want to grow up and be a drag queen. Yeah, exactly. you know? I mean, yeah. Why not? There's nothing wrong with that. You can be a drag queen and a PhD student like I am. You can be a right. drag queen and an architect like a friend of mine. You can be a drag queen and a hairdresser. You can be a drag queen and a blah, 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 blah. There's right. so many different ways to do it. And so, yeah, to me, just getting to watch kids like swish their hips, shimmy their shoulders, learn how to snap, practice doing a twirl, like <laughs> there's nothing better. I mean, part of it for me is also about sort of seeing kids have this childhood that I didn't necessarily get to have because all those things were deemed too feminine or too gay or too weird. Um, and so, yeah, part of the joy of Drag Queen Story Hour end of the book is just watching kids get to play that out. So how is this zombie apocalypse affecting your book launch? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I literally right as that we started entering this, I I was trying to put together a book tour. So that (laughs) got put on hold, but I am still lining up virtual events. So I'm, I'm happy to work with a lot of independent bookstores and some libraries around the country Mm -hmm. to help launch it. Um, and Dry Queen Story Hour has brought most of our regular programming online to live streams, which is super exciting and, okay. and great because it also, not only does it help us keep going, but it also means that we're reaching people in places where we didn't previously have right. chapters or events. So, so yeah. Um, and yeah, it means doing things like digital drag con and recording. I've been recording numbers for drag shows. I mean, I've, I'd sort of been taking a little bit of a break from actually performing in nightclubs and things. So it's kind of funny that now that I'm home, I'm recording stuff that's going out into all these night shows and nightlife venues and things. But yeah, it's, it's fun and it's weird. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So what, so I've, I have seen a number of um, like virtual drag performances. I know that's a big mm-hmm. thing nowadays. And I'm curious, like, what does it take on your side to do all that? It's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, I, 
I'm a Capricorn. I always put a lot of work into what I do and drag is no exception, but I, it, it's a different, it's a different type of work. There's a lot of planning and then there's also a lot of posts, which I, I'm used to the planning. Like I'm always into choreography. I'm into having mm-hmm. a narrative. I'm into building a number and rehearsing even. Um, but, but then, yeah, it's like, you have to, you think that you maybe just do it once, but you know, for the videos I've done so far, it's at least three or four times Sometimes just to make sure you get it right. Sometimes to make sure you get like the coverage that you want with the video. Sometimes you're doing different angles. Um, I mean, I think it's a fun challenge because a lot of them are asking that you either make it feel like it's live so that it's like all one take or that you can't really see the edits or things like that. Or that you do like really over the top crazy edits that you, so that you can do something you couldn't do in a club. Um, And so I, you know, I like a few constraints like that. And I think it's kind of cute to, to do that. So I've done a number, these are all forthcoming, although I, maybe by the time this airs, it'll, they'll have been seen, but I did a cat's number. I have, <laughs> I have a bathhouse Betty number in my bathtub. I have another Betty number coming out and then a few more in the works too. So, so do, do, is it your sense that most um, working drag queens have found a virtual um, outlet to be able to um, make up some of the lost income or, or that's as far away from the reality? I think a lot of people are, I mean, there's a lot of different ways of doing drag, right? Like some people are hustling and making a living out of it. And I was never one of those queens. This has always kind of been my side gig and part of my mm-hmm. art and artistry. So, you know, I think if you were performing five nights a week, I, I can't imagine that it's easy to, make up for that in these times but i've also heard from some girls who've been doing these shows that they're making more in tips in one night than they ever have before because they're getting bigger audience you know like hundreds or thousands of people can watch them and i think people do realize that like now is definitely the time to tip but you know i've also seen a lot of like nightlife fundraisers and with drag queen story hour we've been doing a gofundme just to help raise money for the for folks who have lost bookings not just from Drag Queen Story Hour, but from all their gigs and things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that I have a quote-unquote day job, but <laughs> yeah, if you're hustling. Do you, think that, do you think that virtual drag shows will continue on after this is all over? I don't know, and I, I don't know if I wanted to, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it's nice, but it's weird. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, it's also funny to me... I've been dealing with some like chronic health issues over the past couple of years. So I've also Mm. been home a bit more and like, haven't been going out to nightlife. And so, yeah, there's part of me that's like, this is great. Like the main show that I'm watching, which comes from the stud in San Francisco, which is kind of my, still my home away from home. Mm -hmm. um, That happens. It starts at seven o'clock on Saturday night. So it's like, I can be in bed early in the night watching some of my favorite (laughs) performers. I'm not mad about that. But at the same time, like we need each other and we need to gather in person and touch each other and mm-hmm. be together. So, you know, I think if it does continue, it's gotta be a supplement. It can't be a substitute once we're able to safely be back together. And I even saw one, somebody did a virtual Google dance thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that, I was like, well, that's an experience. I was like, you know, we do have <laughs> porn options. So, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is different. So I was like, and there's a whole, so, like there's only fans and stuff that you can do at that now, but somebody right. did a virtual Google deal. I was like, oh, that's okay. You're creative. You're trying it. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the drag shows 
some of them do have go-go dancers. A lot of them start and end with a DJ. So like mm-hmm. you can kind of get into that vibe. And some of them are doing things where like you, you know, post a picture of you and your look for that night or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's cute. I mean, it's different, but I, I'm glad that, you know, I think it's in some ways easier to perform than to probably make a living as a DJ, DJing virtual events, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. And, I, yeah, definitely. And yeah. but the question though, do you find that so drag queens, one thing they're so great at, y'all so great at is interacting with the audience and just really being right. improv and off the cuff. And if you don't have that, um that like changes the whole scenario, no? Yeah. I mean it's it's interesting in recording a video like there's part of me that likes it because I can just focus and I don't have to worry and and I am one of those queens where like if you tip me I'm gonna like swat it down on stage because I don't (laughs) I don't need to interact you know what I mean like there's some queens and that's a skill and that's a talent of like working the room and just like gorgeously seamlessly collecting all that cash but for me I'm like I got choreography. I got here that I, like five, I came six, here seven, with things to do. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> throw the money on the stage and get out of my way. This is about me, not about you. But, yeah. but yeah, but I think like emceeing, like, I don't know how you emcee one of these digital drag shows where you, you literally are hearing crickets. Um, but also for story hours, it's like a little bit fun because I get to kind of feel like I'm Mr. Rogers or I'm on Sesame Street or something and I ask a question and I pause and I like pretend like I'm listening mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh my goodness, that's a great name, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and so that's kind of fun to just like play with that medium a little bit. Um, but I did I did a story hour on Zoom the other day and that was also fun because the kids actually got to ask questions. and you can see them too. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got, they, they all showed me their dolls. That was the cutest thing at the end. <laughs> One of them was like, I have a doll. And they were all like, I have a doll. And it was really sweet. And I was like, sure, drag queens are kind of like dolls. So you're not wrong. You know, well, to your earlier point about um, the story hour now being um, seen by more people, mm-hmm. someone else in the earlier episode also suggested that this moment actually might expand um, access to more queer people. Um, right. so in that case, we're talking about in terms of uh, organizations who aren't able to do their gala events in person, but they mm-hmm. now do them online. And and um, he was saying, it was Mason Davis, he was saying that um, he thinks that it's going to actually increase access to folks who before couldn't afford the ticket to go. Right. But right. now they'll be more accessible, and then they'll and then and then perhaps they'll be engaged in the movement and activism in the way that they had before. And I love it how you were saying a similar thing, how now more more kids and more families get access to Story Hour, which can be a transformative experience mm-hmm. for these young queers who don't have access to that otherwise. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, one of the things that's like beautiful and incredibly challenging about Story Hour is that we mm-hmm. get a lot of haters and we get a lot of trolls and mm. in... I mean, like I said, we're in a lot of the big cities, but we're also in a lot of smaller towns or or more conservative or religious regions. And yeah, I mean, those those communities are on the front lines and Drag Queen Story Hour often becomes like the fulcrum of what conservatives see as a culture war, right? Like mm-hmm. there's been plenty of backlash in terms of people you know, trying to get libraries to defund it, trying to get city councils to defund it. Uh, oh God, I'm forgetting which state it was now, but there was one state where on the state level, there were state representatives 
introducing bills to try to ban public use of funds for story hour. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, of course, those are the places that need it the most, right. And that need our support the most. And so as an organization, that's part of what we're doing is trying to really like come together so we can direct resources to those places. But yeah, I think during this time, it's a great time where if you live in a rural community where I was going to say where you don't have drag queens, but I don't know if any such community truly exists. I think there's probably a drag queen within a 30, 50 mile radius of any place, um, whether people know it or not. But, you know, yeah, it really does expand that access and and yeah, hopefully also makes it a bit safer too, you know. That'll be that'll be an interesting stat to research. How many drag queens are there per capita? Yeah. <laughs> like how, how far <laughs> how far away are we from a drag queen? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If only the census were really asking these hard hitting questions. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of drag queens, before um, go back to RuPaul for a second. Um, so you know the the current season is going and the the finale is typically filmed live. Yes. Um, do, I don't know what month, because it's probably like halfway through, I think. So um, do, you, do you think they'll do it virtually or do you think they'll figure out a way to do it live? I have no idea. I've been wondering that. I'm still an episode behind, so no spoilers. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would love for them to be able to do it live. I mean, I, I'm sure they're not going to be able to do it in a theater full of people. I think the real question is like whether they'd be able to do it in a studio or in an empty theater at all. But right. I, I'm like, I'm almost kind of curious. Like part of me feels like if this is what drag is now, like maybe that is the final challenge is you got to show up and figure out how to make uh, the best digital drag you can. I don't know. That's a good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I don't envy any of those queens who would have to do that. I will say that. Like, I, I I don't think anyone was prepared for that. and Or maybe okay, they'll no, postpone. I mean, maybe they'll just wait it out. Maybe. I well, because like, like on American Idol, they're, they're starting to do their stuff from home. Oh, they and are. Yeah, and they're, they, they're sending them the whole little O-ring-like kits and everything. Uh-huh. And they're allowed to be more creative. And so I, I, I don't I want that show in a decade. Yeah. So I have not seen it. But this is what I have. I, but I watched the talk show and I love me some live with <laughs> Kelly and Ryan. And, uh-huh. they talk about it. <laughs> and so, um, and so they've been allowing it to be more creative and they really mm-hmm. showed more of who they are as a performer, not right. as a talent as a singer. So I think to your point, it really would show, okay, who really does have the, who could set the pussy up basically for the moment. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, not that I want to be making public critiques of RuPaul's Drag Race because I do want to maintain my career, but that's always yeah. been a little bit of my critique of the show is that sometimes you really don't see who the true performers are until the very end, right? Because if they've mm. never lip synced for their life, like right. you get, you know, you get this and that and the challenges, but sometimes you don't really get that like heart of drag. Can they serve it when everything's right. on the line until right. the very end? And in, right. sometimes it's a little shocking, I think. My favorite fail is still... I forget the queen's name, but with the butterfly. Oh, the butterflies. Asia O'Hara, right? Oh, I felt so sorry for her. I was like, I was know. But the first, I was like, what is she doing? What is that? <laughs> I know. And then, again, and then she had to apologize and say <laughs> she didn't mean to hurt them. And yeah. Oh, she was such a good queen, though. I, yeah, I feel like she'll have her moment again, I think. 
Do you have a favorite from this season to take it to take the crown? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> honestly, my favorite is Heidi in Closet. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like she's not, she doesn't have the polish of, of a winner in the framework of the show. But to me, she's hands down the winner. She has the most captivating personality. And like, mm-hmm. I would watch her brush her teeth. I would watch her read the phone book. I would watch her do anything. <laughs> like she is just incredible. And yeah, I also just think it'd, like, it'd be nice to have a small town girl win yeah. and some, you know, I I do think it's, it's Im- impressive and amazing in many ways, how much the show has elevated drag and how it's real. Like it really is seen now as this art and this craft form and, and it's worthy of all this attention and, you know, people spend all this money on their looks and all these things. Mm-hmm. But also at the end of the day, like to me, drag is always about what you can find in your closet, what you right. can right. get from the thrift store and judged up. And like, I kind of want to see a little bit of that scrappiness come back. So I agree with you. Cause I think Heidi. With, with Heidi, she said how she had like no money. And I know, I know that- yes. I just watched the episode where she talked about she made $9,000 at a gas station. Yeah. I was before. like, I was like, and I was like, excuse me? How are you <laughs> right? Right. Let alone, how, let alone how are you having all these gowns and outfits and stuff with, right. with no money? I know right. some queens, um, like um, Gigi Good's character, she had all this couture. And yes. so, so, so like, if you can afford all of that, of course, you're going to look a certain way. But if you can't afford it and you still look fierce and you still have personalities, then you have some charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and I mean... Personality, I'm, I will go for personality overlooks any day of the week, yeah, you know? Yeah. I would say anyone could put a look together. That's not true. If you've seen my looks, maybe you would doubt that. But, <laughs> but for real, like, you know, there's certain talents and certain genius that not everyone has, and I definitely think Heidi has it. So now we're at What Would You Do? It's one of my favorite segments of this show. Where right. basically I give you a scenario and I ask you, what would you do? Uh oh. Okay. Are you ready for a little for a little messiness, miss little hot mess? I am. <laughs> okay. So people are reconnecting with old friends and deepening relationships with current ones. Someone reaches out to you to reconnect who you haven't spoken to in over a decade. What would you do? Do I like them or do I not like them? Like, well, why the, haven't I spoken to them in a decade? Well, that's that's the question. So, like, <laughs> let's, so, so, so let's say you, let's say you didn't like them, but there was a reason why you guys stopped talking. Oof. I mean, here's what I actually will say: there are very few bridges that I've burned over my life. So, mm-hmm. or so I think. I don't. Maybe that's not true. <laughs> but, but you know, I've had friendships fade, but I haven't had many blowouts. So the reality is that, like, probably in this scenario, I haven't. It, it's not ugly. It's just time has gone by. So I'd be open to talking to people. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I haven't reconnected with anyone who I haven't spoken to in ten years. But I have had some lovely conversations with people who are people who I've always admired or been friendly with or like been in the quote unquote community with, but haven't like had a hangout kind of relationship. And we've had some like nice check-ins and catching up zoom calls and things like that. So I'm down to hear where people are. 
citizens, what would you do in a scenario? You can go to our Quarantine and Chill Facebook page. Let us know right now. You can also post it to your Instagram story or on Twitter. Just make sure to add us or to use the hashtag Quarantine and Chill. We'll share it. You know, I'm, I think I'm similar. And I think it's interesting. Um, people talk about how they've heard from their ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends or mm-hmm. whatever else. People are definitely in a mood. They're like scrolling through their, their contact list or their Facebook right. list. They oh, I have nothing to do now. Let me talk to this person. Kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, <laughs> I mean, there's like plenty of people where I scroll through and I like barely remember their name or how I met them in the first place, but I, I'm not reaching out to those people. I don't know. I guess if they reached out to me, we'll see, but. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a confession. So I do this thing on birthdays uh-huh. where if I don't remember you, uh-huh. And and if I look through and see we have like never had an interaction on Facebook, whatever else, I'm like, delete. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it it still tickles me every now and then just to like like when you do a little bit of the digging and you're like, oh right, we took that class together in college. Yeah. Like, yes, oh right, yes. I met you at that weird conference or whatever. And it's like okay. exactly. So on a different note. How are you staying well and sane and healthy during this time period? What are you doing? What what tip would you offer? Um, I'm definitely eating healthfully, which is great. I'm definitely taking the time to cook as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and also sometimes taking the time not to cook. I have been letting myself get takeout <laughs> every now and then. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful to be in LA and to be able to go outside and not to be in New York, frankly. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so I mean, lucky. for so They're many so reasons, lucky. but, and yeah, um, well, now it's hot here, but for a while I was trying to take a bath every couple of days, which is like one of my big relaxation moments. It's just I love a, bath. a good Epsom salt bath, some essential oils. Yeah, just relax. A little, and... a little berry white. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I, I don't do berry white in the bathtub, but I was reading the new, um, published diaries of Lou Sullivan. I don't know if you're familiar with him or that book, but um, he was kind of one of the first prominent trans men on the scene um, starting in like the eighties. And and he also identified as gay. Um, He also was from San Francisco. And anyways, uh, some amazing folks just published his diaries, which have been held in an archive for a while. And it was really, that was my bathtub reading. And it like felt like this nice little ritual to like, jump into this person's diaries and I was calling him my quarantine boyfriend. So it's, <laughs> it, it's cute. Yeah. You said the published diaries of Lou Sullivan. Well, Lou Sullivan, the book is called, we both laughed in pleasure. Um, and yeah, it's his diaries. I'll check that out. I do have a stack of books that I said, Oh, I'll have more time to read, which yep. I have not yet had time to read. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the yeah. only book that I've successfully read in the past six weeks, but I'm also just being easy on myself. Like, I, in some ways I'm being more productive than I expected. And in many ways, I think productivity is overrated in general and especially right now. So I'm just, I'm leaning into the distraction. I'm leaning into being a little scatterbrained. Hi citizens, for today's wellness tips, go to the Quarantine and Chill Facebook page. You can even leave some of your own. After this is over, where do you want to travel to first? I mean, I think I want to go to a beach, but I don't know where. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, the I 
since this has happened, I was supposed to be doing all this traveling. So I was supposed to go up to San Francisco. I was supposed to go to New York. I was supposed to go to a conference in Colorado. And then this summer, I was supposed to go to Amsterdam and hopefully Berlin. And I've never been to Berlin. So Berlin is definitely high on my list for when I mm. can go somewhere. So, I mean, not that there's beaches in Berlin, but maybe do like a little Mediterranean moment <laughs> while I'm they over have, there. No, but they have a beach-like area. Oh, where, that's true. Uh, they have, you know, the Spree River, and one of my favorite nights in Berlin my, for my 30th birthday, there's like several clubs in one area, and one part, they have a pool on the Spree River, um, and then they had, um, and then they have a boat, they call it like the bottom ship, it was like basically a big boat that was a club, and then like a factory area, like a factory, imagine like some kind of factory club, <laughs> Interesting. and the outdoor area, so you got like, four or five different types of experiences all in one area and you would get your your whole entire life and all i remember remember is that was a messy night so if (laughs) somebody would have gave me the name little miss hot mess after that night yes (laughs) so i'm curious what would what would little miss hot mess um wear um to the to the beach to like the quote-unquote beach in berlin for a mediterranean moment Oof, I mean, probably a caftan, let's be real. Oh, I literally I spent an hour <laughs> searching for caftans on eBay and Etsy and Poshmark last night. So she's getting ready for that moment. I love, I love a caftan, love a caftan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't even think there's anything else to say about it, frankly. That's there 100% really what I would be wearing. <laughs> That's the perfect answer. That's yeah. the perfect answer. Yeah. Where can people find you online or on the internet or social I'm everywhere as Lil Miss Hot Mess, L-I-L Miss Hot Mess, no punctuation. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, begrudgingly on Twitter. I just revamped my website, so lilmisshotmess.com. Um, and there's all the links to buy my book there. So, and yeah, coming soon to DragCon Digital, coming soon to <laughs> Facebook and Instagram Live, all the, all the places. And um, no, no TikTok? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> all my friends are trying to get me on tiktok i feel like i'm too old for tiktok i feel like if i'm on tiktok it's over at this it's point over. i don't know <laughs> i don't know are you on tiktok begrudgingly it's more like it's like my own little phd study it's like just to be able right. to understand it right although i will say that i do find myself late at night scrolling through and there'll be one that'll make me laugh or make me smile and uh-huh. I was keep like, oh, okay. And then a few of my friends, like my friend um, Ace World Travel, his name uh-huh. is um, Aurelio. He does these funny Instagram things. He himself has a lot of personality, um, and mm-hmm. I think he's. I mean, he's, he's made the, these great TikTok videos that I've enjoyed. I mean, every now and then I see one and I like it, but and I, I've, some of my friends have been sending me like dog and cat ones recently which I've been really here for but mm-hmm. it's like its own medium and I'm like I just don't think I have the energy to like figure that out you know what I mean? mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. the people who can truly create content for TikTok are geniuses in their own way I completely and agree with you I'm not trying to compete with that and I'm not trying to be one of those people who's on it just to be on it you know what I mean my last question for you what is one thing that you have started to do during the zombie apocalypse that you hope to continue afterwards? Gardening. 
gardening. Which oh. I guess, okay, maybe that's a bit of a... <laughs> no, that's... that's uh, well, no, I'm just lean, saying... I, let's lean into it. Perhaps what I'm doing does not really count as gardening, but I, I have planted... <laughs> I now have a handful of houseplants that have not died, mm-hmm. which I'm now realizing I need to water, so this is helpful mm-hmm. to me. And I, I did plant... Um, like maybe half a dozen herbs and some tomatoes and some peppers and some squash and some spinach outside. So, so, you know, it's like a little garden. It did come from a place of like, maybe it's time to learn a few kind of survival skills. So <laughs> now's the time. If it, but If it shit but, goes down, I want my herbs and my tomato. <laughs> exactly. I want to, I want to be fed. I'm on a specific diet. I got to have my fresh vegetables. Um, no, but it's kind of, it's like been nice actually to like check in on the plants. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's the piece that I've always been missing with my green thumb is like, I'm always running around and, mm-hmm. and busy and neglecting the plants. But now I'm like, okay, every evening I go and I check on them and I water them. And Do you give them names? Oh, I haven't given them names yet. But, you're, like, you're like, hey, Jerome, how you doing today? <laughs> hey, Chiquita. Hey, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to like repot some of them. So maybe I'll really kind of get deep with their personalities when I do that. I feel like this may be your next venture. You can do like drag queen gardening out. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get some new gardening gloves, though. Want to get my but imagine that. I feel like I feel like you could do that. I feel like that would be fun. I think that 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 that, that would be fun. And we are looking for ways to expand Drag Queen Story Hour, especially to content that can that isn't copyrighted that we can have live online forever. So ah, maybe yeah. me and my plant babies will become stars. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and and you know, if you want to send some of some of that back, me inspiring the idea, you can do so. But no, <laughs> no, definitely because I too, I ha- I'm looking at my patio now, and right now I have lots of. Well, my friend says, don't call them weed, call them wildflowers. Yes. Wildflowers don't care where they grow. They don't care where they grow. Yes. But also they're bringing lots of birds. Like I have birds coming like this morning. I had a hummingbird and there's like these two boards right now who are like picking out some of the, um, the little, whatever you call the, 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 the dander and the dandelions. Uh-huh. They're eating at those, and I think people are. There. I mean, so they're they're everywhere. So I'm looking into gardening myself. I ordered some um, gardening shovels from Amazon. Love that. Um, and I'm going to do some like repotting, and I'm going to put a little bird bath and mm-hmm. judge it up a little bit. Cute. Was well, such a pleasure to catch up with you, little Miss Hot Mess, and I'm looking forward to getting the book for one of my. Oh, I get it for my two little godsons. Um, yes, their mom would probably would, would love that. Um, and I wish you much, much success with it and all that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks so much for Thanks. having me. And it's fun to quarantine and chill. Gracias. Toda oba. ni. Obrigado. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Quarantine and Chill, a creation of yours truly, Vincent Jones and Citizen Jones Travel. Much love to the amazing Ben Salk, who produces, edits, and makes all the music for the podcast. If you love this episode, please like and leave positive comments on the podcast platform of your choice. You have no idea how much that helps us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can learn more about today's guests and get any resources mentioned in the conversation, as well as connect with other citizens in the Quarantine and Chill community. Until tomorrow, this is Vincent Jones reminding you to wash your hands. Let's quarantine and chill.